Without Jerry McEnroe, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange! They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing in the mix! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me wanna Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo! A 14-yard quarterback draw! Somebody in Vegas told them they were gonna win by 20! And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know what? There's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men! ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Heard on 96.5 FM, heard anywhere on the ESPN app, and seen. Hello, Twitchers. Twitch.tv slash Talk. that's right, uh, the show is, uh, some of you know and have been following all along and are part of the new Twitch feed. Q Sports Talk, give it a follow so you know when we're on the air, on the radio, and here with you on Twitch as well. You get exclusive content during commercial breaks. We flip on the mics, uncensored. Ooh, do we say naughty words? You never know. Things that necessarily really wouldn't make it on the radio, but we talk about and goof around with during breaks. There's a live stream, a live chat going on. You can see into the inner sanctum here and all the zaniness that happens during break. So I hope you can watch us as well. Welcome to our friends at twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. We had the formal announcement uh, yesterday with the boss man, Ed Levine, was here. Andrew Goodrich from Q's was here. And uh, we're up and running, baby. It's here. It's official. The soft launch is over. The grand opening is there. And you can now uh, see how somehow, someway, I pull this off every day at twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644 is the phone number. You can tweet the show. You can always tweet me. You can tweet during the show, not during the show. I leave that up to you. This is America. You have a choice. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media is where you tweet us. The On the Block text line is up and running always. Great place to fire off some sports takes, even if we're not on the air as well. And the text line is 288 288- Zero six four four. We have two guests joining us today. One is Jim Beheim. Heard of that guy? Joins us every Thursday here on the block. Looking forward to our weekly chat with the head coach. And uh, boy, a lot to fix and not a lot of time to do it. So how do you do it? Is the question. Well, he's got more answers on that than I. So we will ask Jim how he's addressing some of the issues going on with his team. Preview Georgia Tech and uh, Carmelo Anthony's return to the NBA. Oh, you know what that means. Not only is that Frankie, baby. That means our friend John Jastrzemski, our New York sports expert. Start spreading the news. We'll join the show today. There is a lot to talk about on that front. There always is, but particularly busy. Mets got sold. What are the Yankees going to do? Did a lot of fake accounts today saying Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees. A lot of people fell for that one. Not yet, kids. 
Not yet, but uh, what are the chances of the Yankees either landing Cole or Strasburg? Of course, the Yankee or pardon me, of course, the Giants with Eli Manning now back as the starting quarterback. The Jets and all things New York sports. Our buddy JJ joins us right here in this hour about 4:20. We'll do some hot takes. We'll go on the blind side and so much more. And you're welcome to join the party and be a part of all of it, no matter how you want to take it in. So we do start with Syracuse hoops, as we've been discussing, certainly. And, you know, yesterday it was off of a game, emotions running high, people kind of expressing frustration about that, and then it settles in and you start to look to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech beat Nebraska last night. They didn't have their starting point guard. But what Georgia Tech... I don't really want to break down that game in particular today. We'll kind of save that for tomorrow's show. But one thing, and I didn't watch a lot of the game, but what struck me was that even Georgia Tech, a team that you look at and you say, okay, well, that's a bottom-rung ACC team. A team that handled Syracuse pretty well last year, don't get me wrong, that's league play, that's what can happen. There are teams you run into that you may not think can come in, but when it's the type of roster that Syracuse has right now, and there's plenty of holes on it, and if you have the weapons to take advantage of that, it's going to be a concern because there's just certain things that Syracuse doesn't have. It's one thing to have the talent. You just have to mold it. You have to put it in the right place. You just have to put it in position to be successful. It's quite another when you don't have certain things to go up against other teams. And one thing Syracuse doesn't have a lot of is a presence in the paint. They've got to get creative with how they do that. You know, Barama Sidibe and Marek Doljai, and no matter who is down low, you're at a disadvantage there. Syracuse just doesn't, and Quincy Garrier is kind of finding his way in that position, but no matter who is in the paint, what we've seen is, well, basically the other team's got a, a built-in advantage there, right? Georgia Tech's got a couple of big guys. Georgia Tech's got a couple of guys that could give Syracuse some headaches, and I saw some people kind of tweeting that last night, and boy, the ACC. Can we just uh, pivot off that here quickly? Can we go through the ACC Big Ten Challenge last night? Maryland beats Notre Dame, so there's a big loss for the ACC. And then, well, of course, Virginia's going to beat Purdue, right? And sorry. 69-40. Purdue finds a way around that Virginia defense and smacks them at home. Well, surely North Carolina's going to give Ohio State a big push in the top 10 matchup there. And Ohio State hands North Carolina one of the worst losses, but certainly home losses, in the Roy Williams era. Georgia Tech carried the mantle for the ACC last night, beat Nebraska because... Penn State beat Wake Forest. NC State got a win for Wisconsin, over Wisconsin, pardon me. So, I mean, it's the teams you didn't really expect to carry the flag in the ACC Big Ten Challenge that are doing it. But Georgia Tech's got a couple of big guys. They didn't have their starting point guard last night. And we'll see what his status is for Saturday. Pulled away in the second half, beat Nebraska 73-56. to So any team you run into, and this is going to be a lot of teams that just have some decent big men. Like, okay, how does Syracuse get around that? It's just one of those things that they, at this point, cannot get around. Or let me rephrase that. They have to get around. They're at a decided disadvantage there. They just don't have the matchups 
So they've got to find a way around that. But we'll get more into that matchup in that game on tomorrow's show. But, boy, the ACC just got its butt handed to it last night. But on the Syracuse front, as they press forward here, as they try to figure out, to use an analogy I've been using on the show, and I I brought it up on my Orange Weekly video with Mike Waters today, there are certain things that are leaking on this team right now that are a slow drip that you don't have to address necessarily right now. You'll kind of get to it. And then there are things where the bathroom's flooding. It's like, we've got to fix this before we get to that. The slow drip can lead to the big leak, which leads to your bathroom flooding. But, you know, sometimes you can kind of get away with it for a while. So what are the things that Syracuse has to address where the bathroom's flooding? Well, one of those things is, and we'll talk to Coach Beheim about it later, is, I mean, look, Gerard and Buddy have to shoot. The percentage, I wish there was kind of a advanced metrics stat on this. Maybe there is, and I just haven't found it. Good shots versus contested shots, right? Can, can I see a percentage? And I don't know what the parameters of it would be. I'll let smarter people than I figure this out. It seems like analytics delivers these types of things these days, but what is the percentage of good, clean looks that Joe and Buddy, and I'll throw Elijah in here too, because those are your three main three-point shooters, are getting versus maybe you're thrown off a little bit, catch and shoot, you come off a screen, but there's still a defender there, maybe you got to lean one way or the other. I'm just talking good, clean pull-up, and when you see shooters, sometimes it's weird that when somebody's wide open, that that throws them off because they almost have too much time to catch, set, look at the hoop, square up, follow through. Like, you're almost better in a one continuous motion because that's how you practice it, right? When you hesitate, you think, and maybe you you don't follow through. There's a little hitch there. I want to see a percentage of the good, clean looks they're getting versus the contested shots and how they get more of those cleaner looks if they're not getting enough of them, right? I want to see a percentage of plays where Quincy Garrier's got an opportunity inside to take it to the hoop. And again, I don't know what kind of stat delivers that to me, but maybe one of the the analytics nerds out there can figure that out. I want to see the percentage of plays where Marek Doljai should be the guy shooting the ball. I want to see a percentage of plays where Elijah Hughes is not an option. Like, I have a lot of questions that can't be answered. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of things I'm pondering about this team, a lot of intangibles, if you will, about why the offense is stuck in the mud. Because I know the big answers. I know how they're having trouble matching up with big guys, as we said. The shots that Joe and Buddy are getting, they're not making. 15 of 65 in the last three games. Bigger physical teams Syracuse has struggled with. They're just not on that level. As Beheim said the other night, we're playing top 50 teams. We're not on that level. Because Georgia Tech is an interesting counterbalance to this. Georgia Tech, 4-2 and team. They're 3-1 and at home. It's early. No one really thinks this is a team that's going to make a strong run. But it's a quality league win on the road. I didn't even ask Jim about this today. It just didn't cross my mind. I should have. I'm sure Matt Park will discuss it tonight on the Jim Beheim Show with Matt Park at Carabas. And on your radio over on Brostat TK99. Now, they played Virginia in the first game, so this concept is not completely foreign. But to kind of wedge an ACC game in here right now, after you had three straight non-conference losses, the first time that's ever happened, by the way, 
you'd probably prefer, like when Jim said a couple press conferences ago that maybe we needed a couple more Bucknell-type games, games that we feel that we can go out and play our best. Like, you just lost three in a row. Non-conference games, tough games, top 50 teams. I think at the very least, two out of those three teams are making the tournament if I had to put money on it. And our annual Galaxy Media holiday celebration is at the Turning Stone tomorrow, so I might have to wander over to the lounge with Caesar Sports and place a couple of uh, bets to get some Christmas shopping money. But if I had to put a bet on it, I would think Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Iowa are all making the tournament. I feel pretty confident saying that. So you just went through that ringer, and they got a league game. You get a week off after that. It's not necessarily a week off because it's finals week, but you do get a week to prepare for Georgetown. And that's one of those things where you want extra time to prepare for a rivalry game. Because bring up every cliche you can think of. You throw the records. Georgetown's kind of a weird team right now because they lost their starting point guard on the contract. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma State last night. Two Syracuse opponents. One they just played, one they're about to. Oklahoma State looked pretty darn good in that game. Georgetown won last night. And I'm going back uh, to last year. Because Georgia Tech, here it is. Yeah, I wanted to be sure about this. To look back on it, like, ah, Georgia Tech. They'll win this one, right? Well, Georgia Tech came to the Dome last year, beat Syracuse 73-59. to I realize it's a different team in a different setting, and you can't always rely on those things. But that's just one of those ACC games where you're probably like, well, I didn't see that coming. College basketball is weird, man. That's what makes it great. There's already been four number one teams in the country North Carolina gets their butt handed to them by Ohio State last night. Some of those losses that kind of perk your eyebrows up. I like that these matchups are there and these tournaments are there. And the because once conference play comes, that takes care of itself. Big Monday and the matchups and you know that's just a, such a two month grind of great conference basketball. That this time of the year, I think we need stuff like this to keep it interesting. For Syracuse, it's almost been too interesting. It's like five games in a row that you're mentally taxing yourself. You've put yourself in a hole, so now you're putting more pressure on yourself to win a league game on Saturday. you got to right the ship. you got to get the offense going. And then it's like, whoo, okay, all right, what's next? Oh, a rivalry game. It's like, can we catch a break here? Maybe some of those games on the tail end as we head towards the end of the non-conference play will provide an easier time for Syracuse. But the pressure's building because they're, they're in the hole three games. In non-conference play, now you got an AC. Let's just wedge an ACC game in here on December seventh, upcoming. So we'll talk to Coach Bayheim about that later. We will talk to you throughout the show, certainly four three seven seventy six forty four on the phones. Hit us in our Twitch chat as well, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. We're going to get a New York sports update, a lot on that front to discuss with our friend John Jastrzemski, WFAN, coming up next. Right now, let's see how the market did on this Thursday. My man Joe from Lee Baldwin is here to tell us all about that. Joe, how are you? Good. How's it going today, X? Just living the dream, my friend. What's cooking with you? Not much. Same stuff, different day. Add up, baby. How about the market? How are we doing today? 
Well, let's see. Dow was up a little bit, up 28 points, closing at 27,677. The S&P was up five points, closing at 3,177. Uh, the diamond of the day was Apple, up $3.67, closing at 265.52. And the dog of the day was Sage Therapeutics. They were down $89 a share, closing at $60.18. Now, I'm not an expert, Joe, but I know $89, that's a big drop. That is a big drop. Wow. One of their uh, drugs failed uh, in their FDA oh, testing. Oh, that's not good. Okay, good thing nope. I didn't have that one. So if I was uh, ha- uh, investing and uh, talking to you guys, getting consultation, I know you would have steered me away from that one because we get more diamonds. Forgot di- about that one. Exactly. We get more diamonds than dogs with Lee Baldwin and company, right? We do. That a baby. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Take it easy, Axel. We'll talk to you soon. That's our guy Joe from Lee Baldwin and company. And I just said it, get more diamonds than dogs on your portfolio that's a unique Christmas gift. Go to my friends at Lee Baldwin and Company, get some great stocks, and watch your portfolio grow. LeeBaldwin.com or stop in in Kaz, Manlius, or Utica to do it. JJ is next. We're talking New York sports. Hot stove is burning. Will the Yankees get one of the biggest pitchers on the market? The Mets have been sold, apparently. Steve Cohen ready to move in. And should Mets fans be excited about that? Will the Were the Wilpons the biggest source of the Mets' curse? In recent years, plus, of course, Giants and Jets talk on the way. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. And twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk on the block is presented by our friends at Pathfinder Bank. Proudly serving Central New York with 10 branch locations. They are now open in Clay on Route 31. No matter where you are in Central New York, there is a Pathfinder Bank near you. They specialize in personal home loans with a wide range of terms and programs available. Convenient and competitive business products with local decisions and local processes. Our buddy Jim Dow will be back on the show next week. Going over the business of sports, go see Jim or any of his great people at Pathfinder Bank, the local community bank that you can trust. Hit me. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Thursday night football. You'll hear it right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse tonight. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys. Hey, everybody watch football on Thanksgiving. You see what happened to the Cowboys? Anybody? The Bills make me want to Anybody watch that game? Or did you catch that? Like, anybody happen to watch that? Or see see the Bills destroy the Cowboys on Thanksgiving? Anybody happen to? You might might have missed it. I don't know. Like, it was the highest rated Thanksgiving football game in history. But maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't see. It. I don't know. Just, just you know. I don't. I don't want, want you guys to miss out on anything. That's what we're here to do to inform you of these things. So a week later, Dallas on Thursday night football again at the Bears. Both six and six teams. Now, by virtue of brand name, built-in fan bases, this is going to be the highest-rated Thursday night game of the year. It's going to be forty degrees at Soldier Field. I don't necessarily think weather is going to be a factor. Wind's always a factor, but it's not like it's going to be a snow game or anything like that, but you put Dallas in 40-degree weather, it's going to be interesting to see 
how they react to that. The Cowboys are minus three. The over-under is 43. Give you a mini version of the NFL Blitz for this game. Uh, 64% of bettors are on the Cowboys with 57% taking the under in that one, which, again, the over-under is 43. This is the first meeting between the Cowboys and Bears since September of 2016. Dallas won that game 31-17. They lead the all-time series 15-11. So the Cowboys are currently one game up on Philly for the NFC East lead. Can we take a gander right now at the NFC East? And I touched on this on the show yesterday. The mighty NFC East, the division of Bill Parcells, of the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson, and Parcells when he was with the Cowboys, the Eagles, the the Hogs, the Redskins. Like at times in football history, this has been the best division. It's the worst by far, and this is how bad it is. So through 13 weeks, and the NFC East is a dumpster fire at this point. The Cowboys are six and six. The Eagles are five and seven. The Skins are three and nine. The Giants are two and ten. With six non-division games left, the NFC East is ten and twenty-six against the rest of the NFL. That's a twenty-seven percent win percentage. How about this? Since 1970, I found this stat today. The worst mark belongs to the 2014 NFC South, which had a 27.4% winning percentage outside the division at 11-30-1. The NFC East doesn't... uh, Surely you would think this is going to happen, but you don't take anything for granted with this division. If they don't win two more games outside the division, they could be the worst division in football history. Even the 2010 NFC West, which made history by sending the first 7-9 and team, the first losing team to the playoffs, the 7-9 and Seahawks, they had a 33% winning percentage in non-division games. So can the Cowboys win one for the NFC East, let alone they've got to get back on track after losing to the Bills and getting embarrassed on national television. Did you see that game? Did you guys catch that one? Dak Prescott's thrown an interception in 9 of 12 games this season. Dallas is 4-5 and five in those games. He is 1-2 and two against the NFC North this year. Uh, kooky stat here, but the Cowboys have played this much on Thursday Night Football. Dak's 5-2 and two on Thursday night. Now, as for the Bears, let's see here. Mitchell Trubisky last week. Are you sure this... Did you guys get this right? This is he actually looked like an NFL quarterback. Three hundred thirty-eight yards against Detroit on Thanksgiving. Do we have that right? You sure it's not thirty-eight yards? No, he was good last week. Two and one against the NFC East this season. He's never faced the Cowboys. Uh, wide receivers Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson combined for seventeen catches, two hundred twenty-six yards, and a touchdown on Turkey Day. Chicago threw the ball. 38 times and ran the ball 23 times in the win against Detroit. So what do they do tonight? Do you keep riding the Mitchell Trubisky train? Will the winds be kicking up? Will they have to run the ball more? It's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be the highest rated Thursday night game of the year. And this is kind of that for the Cowboys, their division's such a wreck. It's, it's a must win because Jerry Jones is not happy. It's a must win because you got to recover from that embarrassing loss to the Bills. But it's not a must-win for the division. The big win, the must-win, the huge game for the Cowboys is next week against Philly. But this one is big for a lot of different reasons. That's hot. NBA ratings are down, and they are down big this year. Okay. 
even playing this fancy song here. Which makes me nostalgic for the great days of the NBA. Doesn't doesn't help what's going on here. So Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, went on the record yesterday. The Sports Business Journal has what's called the Deal Makers in Sports Conference. And he threw some of the blame on this at pay television, noting that the NBA is hit hard by an overall reduction in subscriptions because Silver claiming that cable and satellite providers had lost 20% of their viewers rather than subscribers over the past four years. There's a difference there. I mean, cable is losing subscribers left and right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to get electric shocks from Bristol for saying this, but you look at the, as they call them in the business, the subs, right? Subscribers, people that still subscribe to cable. Every year, they plummet by about 3 million subscribers. ESPN was at 100 million subscribers, I believe, I want to say seven years ago. They're now at 82. Like, it is doing nothing but dropping. And, of course, there's YouTube TV and all these other forms, ESPN Plus, to consume the product. But remember, ESPN and the NBA, and John Wildhack was a huge part of that deal when he was still at ESPN, let's not forget. Kind of want all in on that. What the NBA does not have that the NFL does is a broadcast television presence. Week in and week out. There are some games on ABC, but they're all in on cable, ESPN and TNT. So here's what he said, quote, especially for the NBA, which is primarily a cable satellite sport. The system is broken to a certain extent. It's not just in terms of the loss of homes, but our young viewers in particular are tuning out cable and traditional cable. He went on to say this. You're really pushing a rock up a hill if you've lost 20 percent of your audience over the last four years, especially when that young audience we attract is disproportionately represented by that 20 percent. Kids don't watch games. They watch highlights. They watch the House of Highlights Instagram feed. They get highlights from Twitter. Like Kids are not like what we are. Are you darn kids? They're not like what we are. And I'm still old school this way when I sit down and watch a game. And I want it on my TV. I want it in front of me. I know I can get it on my phone. I know I can get it on my iPad. But I want to watch it on my television, right? Even Grandpa figured out YouTube TV, which, you know, unsolicited endorsement is amazing for sports. It's the best package for sports. The NBA is seen as the progressive league that's always kind of ahead of the curve. Silver was the first one to embrace gambling publicly. They've been very liberal with how they let social media run their highlights, run take their the NFL shuts you down if you put anything up on the internet that they did not approve, right? But the NBA always kind of looked the other way on that because it helps build the brand. It helps get it out there and in front of that audience that you need. But and I'm sure Silver addressed this and I haven't seen the comments, but you know why else NBA ratings are down? There's a few reasons. In no particular order. You bowed to China, and people noticed. A lot of your stars are on the West Coast. And people like me that have lives and don't like to stay up late if they don't have to aren't watching games till 1 in the morning. So you got the hardcore base of fans that are there, but you're not getting the general, oh, LeBron James is on. If LeBron James is on at 8 o'clock on ESPN as opposed to 11.30 on TNT, you're just going to lose a fragment of the audience there. You know what else I think people have noticed if you're kind of somebody? I am the perfect example of this. I'm not a night in, night out NBA viewer. I don't have a favorite NBA team. 
right? Be- for the purposes of this show, I don't have to talk a ton of NBA. Like when Carmelo Anthony comes back or there's a former Syracuse player that's doing well or when we get closer to the playoffs, I'm all in, right? But in the middle of December, like, it's just I don't have time for it. I, I don't budget my time to watch the NBA. I watch college basketball. I watch Syracuse. I watch the I started the Irishman last night, so I'll be done with that in about three weeks, and I'll let you know then how it is. But the NBA is not something for the purposes of this show that I really have to be invested in. Now, if I was on a national network, of course I'd be more invested in it. But for the purposes of doing a show in Syracuse, New York, I don't have to be. But you know what turns people like me off? Load management. You can call it everything you want, right? You're paying a guy to pay to play, pardon me, 82 games a year, and he's playing 60. It's a smart move in a lot of ways because it worked for Kawhi Leonard in Toronto, and ultimately the goal is to win a championship, right? But it just turns people off to know that, you know, that, oh, my arm, it's not feeling good today. I got to sit down. So if we're at a point where you're intentionally sitting players for that reason, then make the season shorter. Make the season manageable so they don't have to load management the season. Is that too much to ask for a paying consumer of, of the NBA? I don't think it is. By the way, how does that work in his contract? I mean, teams don't care. They had the money to give him anyway, but it's like, so you're contracted to play 82 games, barring injury and anything, but we're only going to play 60 of this. That means I only have to pay you for 60 of these? Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's not how that works. All right, let's break on that note. We will come back. I've got five fixes for Syracuse basketball. We will talk to Jim Beheim coming up. We will go on the blind side so much more. On the block, ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk.